almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the back. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Patrick Final JCM Jones from the Mothership and Dirty South Soccer. Some of the time, Joe Patrick from 90.9 The Game, Dirty South Soccer, all the time is over there. Uh, the fine dog is, is fast asleep. We should be okay through this. The intro song is Chances by Kurt Castle. Uh, if you dig the song and maybe if you've even checked out some of Kurt's music on Spotify, I do want to say he has a show coming up at the Earl in East Atlanta Village on September 4th. I think it starts around 8. PM, which which coincidentally happens to be right when Georgia plays Clemson. So Kurt, if you could like have a show in my backyard <laughs> next time, not during the biggest game of the season, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. But go check out Kurt's stuff. Um, that'd be a fun show. That'd be a fun show. Uh, Joe Patrick, it's a fun show right now. Just kind of sitting back and, and watching everything Atlanta United two wins on the week and tied on points with DC 27 points. That's pretty much seventh place. It's pretty much above the playoff line, even yeah. if the actual standings don't say it is. You know, I'm just trying to, I'm just thinking now, when's the last time one of these teams that I cover has lost? Because the Braves are also on this incredible <laughs> streak. It may have been like over a week ago, or it definitely has been. Um, yeah, I mean, this has been great for Atlanta United just to see them kind of turn things around, at least the results, you know, and, and the performances are coming with it. And I think that they're just getting better and better. Um, I will talk about the games that they've obviously played this week against Toronto and DC, but you know, I thought that they were both good for it for different reasons. And uh, yeah, just a, just a really good week. By the way, we are not usually Sam and I are, are looking at each other talking. We're on zoom. My camera's broken for various reasons. So it kind of works out for both of us though, t- Sam, because I have a massive zit mm. and I don't get those. But like it just appeared like a like a hideous beast over the last day or so. I'm gonna try to so transition this. I'm really let me let me let me try to transition <laughs> this. Um, there was a massive zit on on the face of the Atlanta sporting world right before Rob Valentino came into it, and it was the fact that both teams that we're playing right now were total shit. So I, have we considered that Rob Valentino saved the Atlanta area baseball team as well? Mm. Like someone check the timeline. Yeah. on that. No kidding. They have they have what this this nine game winning streak and like a thirteen and a fourteen like and sixteen road 16 trip. And eight, the last, sixteen of their last eighteen they've won. Sixteen of the last eighteen, like they're setting records and stuff. I feel like that timeline <laughs> lines up really well <laughs> with Rob Valentino taking over Atlanta United. Man, uh, who knew damn, he had he, who knew he had such powers? We, we had no idea. It but is we're very to, thankful for it. To be very serious about Valentino, it is very much mixed feelings. You know, having him having having you know, head coached his last game for this team, at least for the foreseeable future. It stinks. And I'm, I'm fully on Gonzalo Pineda train. Like I'm like full steam ahead. Couldn't be happier with, uh, with the signing that Atlanta United have made, but it is, it's, it sucks. Not that Rob, you know, there can only be, there can only be one and, uh, it's not going to be Rob for the rest of the season, but again, great experience for him. And hopefully, hopefully he can parlay it into something, Awesome. Whether that's a better contract with Atlanta United on the coaching staff or or mm-hmm. somewhere else, I just really hope that uh, it does a lot for him in his career. It sucks, and we're going to talk all about how much it sucks right now in business time. It's business. It's business time. I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. Business time, Joe Patrick, and you're kind of hitting at it in the first little segment there. We we want to say thanks to Rob, honestly, like not only from just a, a sporting perspective here. Obviously, he's come in and like, has there ever been a better interim manager that was like actually the interim manager? You know, like know. it's been what, like eight games, I think. And he's saved Atlanta United season over the course of those games. That's kind of remarkable kind of remarkable and so and, yeah, yeah go ahead well and he would downplay what you just said he would say it's the players who did it not him you know and all that stuff but i think that that just speaks exactly to who rob valentino is you know and i think that it speaks to he, he's exactly the kind of coach that mm-hmm. atlanta united needed in this situation you know sometimes you have to fire a coach because the 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 tactical ideas are, are not enough and you're just and you're losing games for reasons other than how atlanta united was losing games but you know just coming off of 
everything that Gabriel Heinze was and, and kind of the weight that that imposed on this whole kind of squad as a whole to have somebody with the personality like Rob Valentino kind of just sitting there waiting in the wings to take over was just it was it was beautiful, honestly, just to see the way that this team has rebounded under him. Yeah, I, I'm really hopeful more tributes kind of coming for him. Like I know like Tifo stuff is hard to put together, something like that. But like something really small for Rob would be neat um, if that were to happen in the future because he's still going to be around right yeah um, he's yeah. going to be a part of this staff and it, it'd be good to show some appreciation for him in, in some way uh personally i really really appreciated what he did after his press conference uh, on wednesday after the win against toronto cameras were off at this point but he stopped for a moment and basically just said thanks for how we covered him you know it was like and a toast that, it was awesome yeah no it was like <laughs> i i like man i'm not someone who feels things but i kind of felt something in that yeah. moment and that was that was cool it was very cool and, and very appreciated and again kind of speaks to the kind of person he is but now we have to go through the, the the passing of the torch the continuation cycle and figure out where this goes next and gut call it, it seems pretty similar and maybe even you know, starting to improve, I guess, as far as, as our perspective, I, we have media availability with Gonzalo tomorrow. So check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash five shot final for more on that. But it, it looks like Joe Patrick, that the access to training has been expanded greatly. I think there's like 30 minutes of access to training, uh, player and, and media and coach interviews after training, everything like that. So it's just good to have people who understand that. You know, we're not the enemy. <laughs> you know, you, you don't have to be big and loud about it and fight everybody. There's there's positive relationships to be had within this ecosystem, you know, and understanding that it is an ecosystem and that you have to have all these things together to survive is is important and minor things, but important nonetheless. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, here we I, go. I can't wait until tomorrow. Maybe I'll ask this tomorrow. Um because maybe maybe it's the the opportune time not to ask Pineda, but maybe some of the players about the in-person media, because I can get a sense when I when I'm there in person, when you're there in person, I'm sure you sense the same thing, which is that the players are much more responsive to the questions. And it's mm -hmm. a it's just a better dialogue and you get better answers out of them because they feel a certain type of way about it. You, again, it's really hard to put into words, but I'm curious uh, to get a player's point of view about the whole media thing, uh, doing it in person versus doing it in Zoom or not or just not doing it at all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like we had a great one with Joseph. Uh, when was that? It was, I guess it was a, before the Toronto game or it was last week or something sometime. Um, really good. Really good. And uh, again, we were there. They, they had to implement some new rules, which is fine. You know, we had to stand a distance away from Joseph. That's totally fine. Uh, and I think that, yeah, everybody just kind of likes it so much more i know i do we probably should just like give joseph 10 feet of space anyways out of respect <laughs> all right how, how dare we invade his bubble um not only that of course we get to kind of find out tomorrow what training is like under gonzalo pineda right like what is what does sounders culture look like in the deep south right it's going to be really really interesting to see how this transition kind of comes about but i get the feeling that gonzalo pineda understands that right now there is a moment that this team is in that is really, really positive and to tinker too much would be to, to be airing on the side of danger a little bit. And there's no real mm -hmm. reason to do it right now, but there are certain things. And I think we can kind of get into this when we talk about the games and sports from game time, but there are certain things like tactical nuances and kind of solidifying the system that Atlanta United are in right now and making sure all those things are steady that Gonzalo can bring in and really help this team. I think, right? Like gut call. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely think so. And if you, get, I would encourage anybody if you haven't already seen it, go check out. I think it's on Atlanta's United's uh, YouTube channel. I would imagine probably on their Twitter profiles where as well somewhere. Jason Longshore and Mike Conti got a, a chance to sit down with Gonzalo and interview him ahead of the last game, and uh, they did it, did it remotely, of course. But um, a really good insight uh, from Pineda as to kind of what he's thinking with this team. And I honestly, you know, he's been in this quarantine situation obviously because he tested positive for. COVID and I'm starting to think that maybe that could be like a little bit of a benefit in hindsight because he will have just had a time of you know a week or 10 days or however long it's been just locked down in a room watching video watching video of these games of training sessions you know really getting a look at what the players what their strengths and weaknesses are uh, and maybe that can help him hit the ground running once he meets them and and 
gets a better idea an idea of what he wants to do tactically even ahead of time but one thing one of the things he mentioned in that interview was he looked at chelsea's uh the three four three that they've mm-hmm. run to kind of get you know as um uh, kind of a training tutorial for for his players on how he wants some of them to play in certain situations, uh, and it also just, that was kind of my. There are two takeaways. One is that he he it clearly seems like he wants to keep the three at the back. He was one of the ones, according to Nico Moreno, uh, who I talked with on the Patreon last week, saying that he was kind of the one who implemented the three at the back that the Sounders are having so much success with this year. Um, but then also in the introductory press conference, he talked about playing Araujo in, in off the right side and. So so I think we've seen that shape being adopted by Valentino these last couple games, implementing Louise into the team, but also keeping that back three. It's going to be very interesting to see how Pineda kind of manages this side in uh, in that kind of shape and personnel um, combo. That is it's tenuous, but clearly we've we, we see that it can work. The other thing I love from that interview was he was talking about how no one's ever beat him on a tactics board. It was yeah. one of those kind of deals, right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. kind of like how Ole Miss says no one's ever beat us at a tailgate kind of thing. <laughs> I dug it. I liked it a lot. He, he's just really energetic and just enjoyable. Um, I was <laughs> laughing when he, they cut to him at, at the game on on Saturday, I guess it was, in D.C. He was sitting there with Carlos and he had his notepad with him, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Like always has his notepad with yep. him taking notes and just kind of taking tactical ideas down. Um, really he, interesting he, to see yeah, how he he had, his, he had his notepad in front of a, in front of him when we were doing our introductory press conference with him. So that's just mm-hmm. the way he operates. But no, I, you got to give him credit. He is uh, very well spoken, like clear, uh, very clear in the way he speaks. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he, he's just a treat to, to talk to. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to doing more of that as we go forward this season. The back three stuff is interesting. And it kind of came out of necessity for Seattle, right? Like Jordan Morris goes down. Uh, certain players go down before the season. You're missing like Nico Ladero and other folks. And it kind of came out of of need, right? Like you're mm-hmm. missing these players who can make a threat on the wing, right? And doesn't that sound familiar just a little bit for Atlanta <laughs> right. United? Um, it, it's ended up where the fullbacks have been really crucial for, for Seattle. And so if we can get something like that going with the personnel, I mean, you've, you've got George and Brooks there. You know, the, those are... There's a foundation there that he already has built in Seattle that if he can get that built here and, and tweak it to the personnel that Atlanta has, it, it can be successful. It can be successful. Um, speaking of George, by the way, the, the other kind of breaking news here is that George Bellows is going to the All-Star game. That's pretty cool. Yeah, kind of came out of nowhere I'm, I'm, today. I'm really surprised, but it's kind of <laughs> cool, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But I get it, right? Because you want to get these young stars out in front of people. You want to um, get a player who's who's gotten time with the USMNT, uh, continue to get him out on the stage because MLS knows that the model is to get these young players out there and continue to be the best selling league in the hemisphere. Right. You know, yeah. you, you got to keep building on that. And, and so it makes sense to me to have someone like George come in, you know, but for sure, for sure. Our George, our George and Rodolfo Pizarro there on merit. <laughs> yeah. Rodolfo Pizarro. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's a, obviously a great opportunity for George. Really happy for him. Uh, an honor, you know, I, 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 I do think like he deserves it. He's been one of the best players. I'm not talking about deserve. I'm not like comparing him to every left back in the league here, but I'm just saying that, you know, for what he's done this year, kind of making a jump in his career to no longer looking like, a prospect and looking like just a genuine, really good left back in MLS. I think that that, you know, he's, it's good to see him get some rewards for that. On the other side, the selfish part of me, the part of me that loves Atlanta United is like, oh, he's got to do a cross country trip this week, you know, both him and Miles. So who knows if that impacts them um, for their availability for Nashville on the weekend. But um, either way, I'm, I'm more than anything, I'm just happy for, for both those guys, really. I'll never forget the time in the All-Star game where I injured Greg Garza. Like I just, I just straight up maimed him right there in front of everybody. <laughs> Wait, I, what? The, the game kicked off, and I tweeted, "No one get hurt, you jerks!" Uh. In like all caps. <laughs> Literally, as I sent it, Greg Garza got hurt. You know, so if, if George that. needs to talk to anybody, that he needs to go find Greg over at Georgia Revolution right now and, and talk to him about not getting hurt as a left back in the All Star game. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. Um. We should play the really shitty jingle. Let's do it. Sports time, game time, right now. <laughs> sports time, game time. Sports time, game time. Sports prime game time. Sports prime game time. Sports game prime time. Sports prime game time. Sports prime game time. Sports prime game time. Sports prime game time. 
Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time. Yeah. Sports Prime Game Time. You can't see uh, me dancing over here, Sam. You can't see uh, me dancing. Gosh dang it. No, please don't. Uh, <laughs> Sports Prime Game Time. Joe Patrick. Sports Prime Game Time. Uh, we'll start with Toronto. We'll, we'll go in order here. Uh, Toronto, one nothing win. Zeke gets the goal off the deflection. Uh, got in a good position to do it, at the very least. Had the, the confidence to take that shot, at the very least. Gets a little lucky. I'm cool with it. I think everyone's cool with it. Toronto is really, really garbage at this point. Uh, and it's good to just go ahead and, and knock that out of the way and get three points. But also the first appearance for Luis Uju. Era Uju now, not Eruzo. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, he looks sharp. It, like his first two touches were like, oh, whoa, okay, yeah, yeah. This yeah. Is, there was this that is, one very early in the game. It. Yeah, there was that one very early in the game, like in the opening five minutes or so, where yeah, he collected the ball in midfield and like did a little touch past somebody. I can't remember if he megged him or not, but just ghosted right past somebody and then found a nice pass. He looks like a really good creative player to me. Like I'm mm-hmm. really excited to see what he can do. I think that, you know, in these, these first couple games that we've seen him, I think he's still trying to find his footing and his fitness a little bit. And uh, we saw that in, in the Toronto game, he really faded after about 20 minutes or so. It seemed like to me, uh, and he was also dropping a little deeper into midfield. I think probably to save his legs a little bit, try to, mm-hmm. you know, get around other players and hope that some of them can make runs off of him. Um, but you could definitely see just his creative, flair um his smoothness he's so nonchalant it feels like when he's on the ball um it's like it's like you're, you want to like yell like yo watch out there's a guy right there but then he'll just like see it and yeah just like uh, navigate past him so i'm really excited to see what he can do but i think with that we're still just in the very early stages of it um you know i think that i thought that that toronto game was as scary as i was pretty much anticipating it being because they had left pozuelo and Soteldo on the bench and when they came on on at like the he uh, their coach brought brought them on like five minutes after halftime which was weird to me um or at least one of them they did a sub like a five minutes after halftime sub which i don't know if that's tactical or not to try to like catch atlanta off guard and not do the ha- the sub directly at halftime but um yeah you just got to give credit to to the fullbacks and to miles robinson did an amazing job defending Soteldo in that second half and uh you know atlanta united did enough to to get by and i know that there was some criticisms uh of the game just in the way that atlanta united played you know it wasn't like they didn't create a ton of chances um it was kind of like a i don't know if i would say it was a boring game but it was just I don't know, maybe more even than than you would hope that it would have been against a team like Toronto, who's at the bottom of the table. But, you know, at the end of the day, Atlanta United did get the win. And I think that when you see what happened in the D.C. game, which we're going to talk about, makes you feel better about it because you've just seen the progression. Yeah, it was weird. After like the end of the game, I think most of us were thinking, yeah, good job, everybody. We survived. Uh, you got the job done. You got a goal and then, and then held on for life for a little bit. But you got the job done in a midweek game. I guess a team that even if they are at the bottom of the table, they do still have a lot of talent, especially coming forward. And you survived an onslaught of Pozuelo and Soteldo, and it maybe got a little lucky in doing that, but you did it. You know, so I think we were heading down to yeah, yeah. the press conference room, right? Expecting Rob to have similar thoughts. Pretty content. It, it, yeah, you would. Yeah. yeah. Instead. <laughs> it wasn't that way. <laughs> Rob Valentino was maybe the most annoyed person with how they played in the stadium, I think. Yeah. And I didn't get to see the little interview that he did going into halftime um, that was on TV, but I did see it afterwards and he was clearly not happy. And then, yeah, we get into the press conference room and Doug asked some question about, you know, how it feels to win or, you know, whatever, you know, just kind of give the coach a chance to make an opening statement about winning a game. And he was like, not, he gave like these short terse one word answers. because I think he was still not very pleased with the way they played. And so then that kind of mm-hmm. just led the press conference into like, well, how do you improve? You know, all this stuff where it was like almost by the end of it, it's like you would have wouldn't have even known that the team did win the game. <laughs> but, you know, I think that that's good. I think that there's a, that's a healthy level of kind of, you know, needing knowing that you need to improve and get better um, than that performance showed. But I think that considering that they changed the shape kind of so severely where you started, you were essentially playing that game with one midfielder (laughs) in Santiago Sosa. Um, And I think that Rob Valentino, as well as some of the players acknowledged, and you were good on kind of nailing, I think Brooks Lennon down on this as like, why was the team so stretched? And he kind of acknowledged the fact that they were just like kind of playing with five attackers and, and like one set of attackers and one set of defenders and nobody kind of in between to help connect everything. 
Yeah, he mentioned that a couple of times, just not being able to connect. And that was kind of the phrase he used kind of over and over again. And, you know, it's, I don't, man, it might just be the personnel, honestly. Like, what do you do? I don't know what you do besides how it's kind of set up already, you know, considering all the injuries and consider everything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think this just might be the team at this point. Yeah. Well, let's transition right into the DC game because I thought that sure. that I thought that that really I thought that what we saw tactically there was so much of an improvement, and there were some great performances too. You got to give a Marseidich huge amounts of credit for the way that he stepped into that midfield role uh, and performed. I thought he played better than Santiago Sosa has performed for the most part in recent games. Um, but I think the biggest difference was Marcelino Moreno played in a deeper role, and uh, yeah. you know Rob Valentino acknowledged the fact that he asked him to do that, and I thought that it really balance the side in a way um, that suits not just the team, but I thought that Marcelino Moreno, it suits his game because we even saw on the first goal and I tweeted this and I posted it in a, the, the video um, in the player ratings post that went out on dirty South soccer earlier today. But he, the way he, when he's able to receive kind of deep in his own half and if there's somebody tight to him, he has lots of space to try to navigate past them and dribble by. And we saw him do that. He left Julian Gressel in the dust with a nutmeg and then after he gets by him, he's essentially spearheading the attack from there. So I think that he's kind of he's a really good it suits his dribbling ability mm-hmm. to play a little bit deeper. Kind of He can see more of the field in front of him um, and kind of plan his routes. And he also gets out of the way of Bello. That was something in that Toronto game that really stuck out to me was it seemed like Bello was wanting to get forward. But Marcelino Moreno had drifted out into that left wing space. And then it, things got kind of cluttered out there on the left. And I thought that everything was just working with a lot more cohesion uh, in that DC game with Moreno's uh, change in kind of his positional. Yeah, no, we got to get Marcy and George on the same page. There's so many videos and, and things out there of of Marcy just kind of flat out ignoring George as he makes a run. And it kind of <laughs> seems like it, it's not like because he's mad at him or anything. It's just because he doesn't want to take the risk for some reason. You mm. know, it, it might mean more running for Marcy if he makes that ball and misses. Right. 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 You know, um, so it was good to kind of clear that out a little bit. And, you know, he was phenomenal again. And I think what's most encouraging is obviously that he was able to find that final ball in the Joseph. He the defending wasn't good. But, you know, in MLS, you have to take advantage of when the defending is not very good. You know, so for him to to slip that ball through to Joseph and then, of course, Gets a little bit of a lucky goal there at the end. I'm not going to act like <laughs> yeah. it was a banger or anything like that, but yeah. gets it done. And it's a goal and assist. And Joe Patrick, he's now second in goals added in, in the that's league. That's great. Wow. That's not at Atlanta. That, that's in the league. He's the highest attacking player in goals added See, in the league. And that's where it's just crazy because <laughs> we have seen him be productive in front of goal as of late, especially, you know, like we've, he's been putting up goals and assists and things well, like that. I mean, that. like you, you look at it and he's got seven goals and three assists. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and 10 goal contributions, that's among the best in the league at this point. Yeah. And it's, it's weird how under the radar he's kind of been with all this. And it kind of goes back to this, this start Atlanta had, you know, where everyone was afraid to try and even score. Right. You yeah. know, and yeah. now that we're getting able to see it a little bit, I, I can't, see it slowing down anytime soon he he joe patrick we we found the dude there <laughs> we are dudes did. on this There's, team there was a dude there was a dude deep inside marcelino moreno <laughs> and he the dude is out um yeah, you know, it, I, I think it kind of seems counterintuitive to say that, like, I for me to say that he should play in this deeper role that I think it suits him, despite the fact that he's scoring these goals and everything. But I think that that just goes to show that despite the fact that he play he can play in a deeper role, he really has the box of box ability and with that few players have just the stamina and work rate to be able to get up and down the field. Um, and we saw, you know, he was playing in a deeper role, but then he ends up having a, an assist and a goal in that game anyway, you know, because his natural tendency is going to be to want to get up the field. It's a matter of where is he receiving the ball kind of in the buildup or just like where is he receiving the ball when the when Atlanta um, turns other teams over uh, and, and has an offensive transition. I think that when he's a little bit deeper, he can see the field a little bit better, use his dribbling ability less less so than his receiving ability to like find close tight spaces. Um, and I think that it suits Barco better and Bello better. And I think everybody can really thrive off of that. In addition to getting another really good look at Marcy Moreno goals added hero. We also got a second look at Luis at a Uju. Uh, I, I think this is one where we kind of started to notice the 
the bad traits as well. Like the good traits are definitely still there, but there there is that bad trait that we've been warned about for a while now about taking shots from from distance and maybe not always putting those the on pity shots. Target the pity shots. It was very <laughs> pity. Um, shoot, man, are are we gonna have to get the the shot collar back out for every time they shoot from distance, you know, <laughs> and and break them of this habit? It, it's it's somewhat concerning, but I guess there are worse things, right, than a guy actually trying to to score on a team that didn't want to do that for most of the year. Yeah, yeah, you know, I I will. I'm 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 still holding out, uh, you know, my determination about whether he does that too much or or I don't think it'll be not enough. But yeah, I mean, because at times PT it got annoying. Like sometimes some of the shots he would take, um, and definitely some of those feelings started to come back in the game, <laughs> in the game against DC. But again, it's like you know the team needs shots, and one of them was close. You know, one of them had the had the keeper scrambling uh, to the far post to the to the far corner. But um, we're not gonna do but, this again. Regardless. Regardless, it's not a, it's not like, a high oh, percentage shot. Close. Yeah. yeah. Regardless, it's not yeah. a high percentage shot. But again, I think that fitness also plays a part of it. Where he's, I don't know if Araujo is just fit enough where he's feeling like he wants to make that run in behind and and do that kind of thing. So TBD for me on that. Although it's clear that that is a tendency for him to to take those shots. Yeah, it's still plenty of time to to figure all that out, of course, and um, should be fine. It's something I, that can be coached worried. out of a player too. I think theoretically. Yeah, and it, theoretically. yeah, that's right. In theory, it should so, be. some players, right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. maybe not the guy you just paid twelve million dollars for. I don't know. Fair. I don't know. Um, any other thoughts from from that DC game? Uh, I'm trying to react my brain for a little bit. Oh, let's talk Zeke Barco. That's what I want to talk about. All right. Because I mean, obviously, we've talked a bit before about how he just has the freedom now to make runs and to take the ball off and everything like that. Uh, I do want to say that some people were out there like. Wow, looks like everyone was wrong about Zeke. And I want to counter that because no, no, we weren't. Because he wasn't this for 99.9% of the time up until the last few weeks, right? Mm. Because largely he was hurt, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there are flashes of this, but he's never been this consistent. He's never been this sharp. So anyone like coming at me or Joe or Rob or whoever the hell else about like, man, y'all were so wrong about Zeke. Like, no, no, we weren't. No, we weren't. Yeah, it's fight me. <laughs> Unfollow me. I mean, it's um, his career has been so weird since he's been in Atlanta. Uh, obviously, we kind of know about a lot of the things that have been roadblocks for him or whatever. The stumbles that he's had. You know, I, I think that if you go back um the attacking quality was there. It was very evident right when he first started playing for Atlanta United, and he scored an amazing goal against Orlando with like the outside of his foot. Um, if you actually go back and watch his goal highlights from that first season, he has some goals with that I totally forgot about. Like, and I still don't even remember some of those games. Um, and I'm like, Jesus, that's a really nice goal. So like, he's had the skill there. But I think that first year he was definitely overweight. And I would just say just like not totally fit. Um, and then he had injuries he, and he's been beset by injuries basically ever since the whole romantic overtures thing after that in his career, he could just never get a good run of games because of because of injuries. Um, he was looking good again in 2019 and then he had this uh, quadriceps or a knee or something. He had it got kicked by a Columbus player in a U.S. Open Cup game. Uh, and then obviously last year was just like a really weird year disaster. I think that he probably was having thoughts about whether he wanted to be here and things like that. And then clearly he came in into this season under Gabriel Heinze looking really committed. Um, I thought early this season he was looking better like defensively than anything else. And he was just mm. clearly more fit. Carlos Bocanegra had mentioned that he had hired a personal chef. Um, he looked like skin and bones in some of the preseason pictures. I remember. <laughs> and maybe now that we've learned what we've learned about Gabriel Heinze totally makes sense. Um, why he may have looked like that, but now it feels like we're finally seeing it all come together. Both the work rate, the determinant, you know, the, like the, the bite, the, bite and um effort that he can add off the ball defensively plus what he can do with the, with the you know his creativity on the ball so it's just really good to see all that come together i can't help but think that some of it is motivated by you know his desire to get his you know the move that he wants to europe i mentioned that on the radio on 99 this morning and they were kind of giving me some crap about it but uh, i think that it's true and i think that it's fine if that's true because it's good for the yeah. team it's good for barco it's good for everybody you know whatever motivates you as long as it's getting the best out of you and helping the 
team, then, you know, I'm all for it. Got to play good in the contract year to get a free agent. That's contract, right, man. That's, that's the way it's all. Yeah, I should. I should have. Right? I should have come back at Randy McMichael asking him about that. It's like, you didn't ever play harder during your contract year. I don't know. If he, <laughs> I don't know if he did or not. It would be interesting to ask him, honestly. But oh, man. Uh, well, we'll see Zeke again pretty soon. Uh, not at the All Star game, which is on Wednesday, but against Nashville, uh, they come to Atlanta on I think it's Saturday. Um, and yeah, they're they're doing pretty good. They're doing pretty good. It's not going to be an easy one. I think maybe. One of the kind of dirty secrets of this run is that we haven't really played anybody good at soccer. Do, do, um, does Nashville have the fewest losses in MLS? Uh, if they don't, close. they're right up there. It's close. They got a whole lot of draws. Yeah, two losses on the year for Nashville, and that is less than anybody. You were right. You were right. That's, so, great. That's a testament to them and Gary Smith, what they're doing with that team. I mean, they're tough to beat. Exactly. And Atlanta exactly. Should, could have should have beat them earlier this season. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, they, um, they've come back multiple, multiple times from... Losing positions. They're fourth in the East. Uh, it's going to be difficult. Walker Zimmerman is back and healthy. Uh, CJ Sapong has figured out how to play soccer, apparently, hmm. which is crazy. Uh, Honey Mukhtar as forward has been awesome. And it, meanwhile, Ake Loba is just kind of sitting over there. Their, their highest DP signing ever that just came in. He hmm. hasn't really been able to to find the field a ton because hmm. they're playing so well. <laughs> um, so this is going to be a much better barometer than I think anything else far. I think the DC win was excellent. I think DC is also a team that the underlying numbers suggest they've been very, very good. Uh, Nashville's been a little bit better, you know? Uh, So it's another big test. It'll be interesting to see how Gonzalo Pineda sets up against them. I totally agree with you on the DC, obviously being a much better barometer than anything we've seen uh, from Atlanta and I playing recently. And uh, I think that that's why when you look at the DC win versus the Toronto win, even though both were just kind of, you know, one goal wins, one of them clearly stands out to you as being like a better indicator of where this Mm -hmm. team is at. Yeah. I mean, any road win at this point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just massive. Uh, But again, Lady United, 27 points. Uh, tied with DC for seventh in the East. That's the playoff line, folks. So things getting better all the time and the show getting better all the time because we're about to head to a quick break. And before we get back into the show, did just want to shout out once again, our partners at Lucid FC for bringing you this episode of Five Stripe Final. They've got a new shop out um, in Buckhead. It's right behind the Whole Foods there. Uh, The address is 3209 Paces Ferry Place Northwest, if you want to write that down or Google it or whatever. But I cannot wait to see what they get done there because I think that that shop is going to be um, experiential, to say the least. These guys are really creative, and uh, I think that it will be more than just a a place to sell clothes. So that will be really cool. But you can obviously also order from them online at lucidfc.us. They've got their new spring-summer 2021 collection out now, uh, which you can buy right now online called This is a Modern World. It's really cool stuff. The collection brings nostalgic, psychedelic party nights of the past to the new modern lifestyle. Uh, I've checked it out on on their shop. It looks really cool. The products on this line will be sold exclusively to directly to you on the Lucid FC website. That's where you get it. Uh, they've got unisex sizes from extra small to extra extra large, and uh, price points from eight dollars to three hundred and eighty dollars. So there's something in there for everybody, uh, and it has just launched, and it's really cool. Definitely would recommend everybody go check out uh, Lucid FC. Dot us and maybe pick up yourself some uh, some modern world clothes. Wow, what a break! What an incredible break! The best break, Joe. Let's kind of wrap up sports prime game time in a way with with these this flurry of questions from Jonathan. I think we can kind of address these somewhat quickly before we get to everything else and and really kind of sum up everything that we may have missed in the DC United talk. Um, Jonathan asked, second half of DC, were we just fatigued or did we get shredded through the middle? All of the above. Joe, thoughts? Um, I didn't even there I were. Didn't notice there the were like extensive periods of defending. I yeah. guess if you look at like the XG game chart or whatever those are called. Yeah. Um. But man, it wasn't like they were getting phenomenal chances or anything like that. Right. I mean, all yeah. of Kamara should have scored, but he was bound to to regress to the mean eventually without Eastman <laughs> scoring. Um. You know, it, it didn't seem like they were getting worked at any point. Yeah, I, I, mean, yeah, I was scared. I, I, I totally agree. I, I think they would. They faced like a, a club record twenty-seven shots or something. But I think Gazan, Guzan only had to make three or four saves or something like that. Some low, uh, very low amount. I think part of the reason probably was that you had to, you didn't have a number six. Like you didn't really have a traditional central midfielder. Marseille did a great job, but then he had to come off after about an hour. And so for the last half hour, 
you're only playing with one midfielder, and that midfielder was no. Mateus Rosetto. <laughs> so <laughs> he's definitely not a traditional number six. So um, maybe that was one of the reasons. I don't know. But also, it's probably yeah. just general fatigue. It's been a, a really long couple of weeks for this team, and having to travel for that last game at the end of it, you know, well, not not an easy game to play. But those are the ones you just gotta get them out. Yeah, that was certainly a choice to make that substitution. Uh, I'm still not sure how I feel about that. Well, no, I know how I feel about that. I feel badly about that. Um, but it ended up working. So well, I, what do we know? I don't right? even know who else was on the bench that he could have added uh, at that yeah, point. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think, yeah. I guess, Sadich was carrying an injury. He was only like 50-50 whether he could even play in the game. Uh, so I think that they wanted to get him off before, you know, something happened. But I testament to Rob, you know, again, for yeah. kind of holding the team down. Well, th- you know, he hadn't had, didn't have Santiago Sosa in that game and, and some other players during this stretch. So. Uh, you kind of mentioned Goose, who made a couple saves. One of them was a dick save and a beauty. Uh, and this one from Jonathan says, and there's not a stat for this, but Goose's errors account for at least nine points, and he's been bailed out a lot by us scoring. Uh, I think that's more of a thought than a question, but I, I, we do, I guess, need to talk about what the hell is he doing when Jordi Reyna scored that free kick, right? Like, if you're like the veteran guy, Everyone's like, oh, he's the locker room presence and everything like that. You really can't be messing around on a free kick and let someone bang one in on you like that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, to his credit, he, you know, he held his hand up in the post game and, you know, said it was his fault. Um, at the time, I was pretty upset. About it. <laughs> I was like, what is, you know, how could you do that? But, you know, after I thought about it, first of all, the strike is like, it's it, was an am- it was amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Like, it was, it, so. Yeah. Got kind of hard done by there. Uh, also, it's not like he was like picking his nose or something. He was he was like trying to help the team by by doing some organizing and trying to get guys marked up. Um, he just didn't realize that the taker was going to be able to bring take the kick in. In fact, I think even Julian Gressel was caught off guard that the kick mm. came in because he wanted to take it. So um, <laughs> I actually kind of defended Guzan to, to to an extent in the player ratings that I put out today, and I thought outside of that he was really really good. And if you look at the XG in the game, you know. DC had over two XG, although a lot of that was off target. So it's not like Guzan was directly responsible for keeping that XG off the board. But I thought generally he played really good, made a couple of fantastic saves at the end to to help, um, I guess, at that point, keep it tied. Yeah, honestly, besides the the mistake, which in a large sense is pretty minor, you know, considering the fact that Reyna had to put it where he did. I I, I still think that's an incredible goal on anyone who's kind of mad at Guzan. I, I I get it, but also we got to give Reyna a ton of credit for mm-hmm. being able to do that the way he did. Uh, but he recovered so quickly and started making a bunch of saves after that. And really he could have imploded, it, you know, after it, a mistake like that. And he didn't. Yeah. It seemed to me like that energized him a little bit, like giving up that goal. Yeah. He knew it was <laughs> on him. And like, he was like super aggressive after that, which I thought helped like they needed it at that point. So, don't shoot Brad Guzan. You'll only make him mad. Uh, this next question says there was a scouting report about new signing Luis Aujo that he took shots like PT did. Uh, that was true. That was true. I think Jonathan, I think, I think we kind of talked about it a little bit, but yeah, no, um, maybe don't, let's not put a final verdict on it yet, but we have a lot of data that says that this is going to be a thing. We might just want to buckle up for it. Fair. That's fair. I mean, right, there might, next, be, might be some Galazos in our future too. Look on the bright true. side, but yeah, that's true. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this next one, this next one comes from Michael Barbaro. Barbaro. <laughs> oh, what a uh, listener! So I'm gonna do this here. So, what do we need to know about the dynamic between Valentino, Pineda, <laughs> and the team moving forward? I'm Michael Barbaro. It's August 23rd. <laughs> Today, Thank you, Michael. Today is Monday. <laughs> Christ, this, this episode would be eight <laughs> hours long if Michael Barbaro hosted it. Um, the dynamic, it seems like it's going to be good. Like, I can't see these yeah. two guys not getting along. They seem like you cut know? from the same cloth, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Which maybe, I guess, there's a theoretically like that could go badly, I guess, because they're so alike. But <laughs> I, I mean, at this point, it seems like they're going to be best friends. Yeah. You know, honestly. you think about it like they have a very similar experience of like being totally pretty recent players. Uh, they, in fact, they probably ended their playing careers around the same time. Uh, they might be. I'm not sure how old each one is, but um, 
yeah, and then they've been assistants in, in the league. So, yeah, they've got very common experiences, and I think they'll get along well. I think that I, I only think that one of the reasons maybe why we might see Rob Valentino potentially leave after the season is just because there would be other clubs potentially coming in for him. So, but I don't yeah. think there will be any issues with those two working together. I think kind of like nestled in there is the dynamic with the team. Right. I am a right. little bit curious about that. Uh, about having a guy who's been successful like Rob uh, exit so quickly. And I think it would be worse if there was a massive culture change coming. And yes, there's correct. not. If they right? were like, like bringing in a Kainze, you know. Right. If they were bringing another hard ass. Yeah. You know, they, that or would Fonseca be, even, you know. Yeah, exactly. To. Exactly. You know, so maybe, maybe just maybe everything's falling into place for this to work extremely, Rob, extremely Rob, well. Rob touched on this, too. He, he's mentioned it before that when he became this interim head coach, his relationship with the players changes. You know, yeah. it changes because you have more of an authoritarian voice within the group, as opposed to when you're an assistant, you're kind of more of a a friend, you know, someone who can like, you know, point something out to them. But you're not you're not like the head man in charge making executive decisions. He has been that. So, yeah, you do wonder about how that might that just change in the relationship might affect the dynamics, but on a personal level between Valentino and Pineda, I think that they'll get on swimmingly. First time caller says there's maybe a question here. How advantageous is it for a coach to be able to take control, but not be allowed or feel forced to make immediate changes. seems like, especially in this situation and for a first time coach, this may be the perfect way to ease into the role mid season with a capable interim coach, maybe a bit too much lemons to lemonade question mark. I don't know what that last part means. I'm not going to, try to figure it out i don't think but i think the rest of it's very very good you know i, I think it's something you kind of hit at joe with even just like having the COVID things uh kind of come up at a time where he can relax and kind of slowly get to know everybody and you know uh, kind of ease into the role i think all of that makes a lot of sense and again it's one of those things where it kind of seems like okay this is this is falling into place kind of nicely yeah for sure um and, you know, he's met with them, too, just virtually as much as he can. In fact, I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but he's Pineda set up little phone calls with every single department in the club just to introduce yeah. himself and you know be able to meet people face to face, even if it's over, even if it was over a screen. So that's really cool. And, yeah, I mean, we, we did talk about it a little bit, but I think it just gives him a really great in-depth scouting opportunity um, to kind of almost be the uh, almost like a <laughs> like a godlike figure almost to just be able to witness everything but not actually be there in person uh where you're actually trying to impose your personality as well so you can just get a you, you can just observe the landscape observe the players that you have at your disposal and then come in fresh with some uh you know the tactical ideas that you want to implement but again we've, we've said that we don't expect him to it to be some kind of cr crazy thing that he's doing and in fact i think maybe what we've seen these last couple games is already a little bit of Pineda's influence about what he wants to do going forward I do want to add too. I kind of did, forgot to mention this, but uh, Gonzalo and, and Rob have been texting, like after yeah, the game yeah. and stuff like that. And it seems um, that's just kind of fun. That's nice. Rob said very very good job, or Rob said Gonzalo said very very good job <laughs> in the text after the Toronto win. So that's nice. That's nice. Uh, Kyle Cram asked this, and it's a good question. How much patience will the Seventeens have with Pineda if the run of positive results doesn't continue? We're a fickle group. Uh, man, can you imagine <laughs> if he comes out and loses like two games in a row to start? That's a, that's an interesting thought for sure. Um, man, I, I don't think anyone's going to turn on him too, too quickly. I think in that instant you would see folks being like, we should just stuck with Rob, but you know, it, it'd have to be a long-term kind of collapse for, for things to, to get to that level. And I don't think they're going to get there. I'm hopeful they're going to get there. Good news is, if things go to shit real quickly, Rob's right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, touche. Um, I think one of the other reasons you won't see things get sour with the fan base, even if the results do not go the right way, uh, which, you know, again, with games coming up against what you got, Nashville, then Orlando, two big games um, where it would hurt to lose either or slash both of those. Um, you know, I think Pineda is just better with media and like we'll be able to explain things better. And I think that that will kind of keep any of that angry sentiment at rest, you know, like Frank DeBoer for hell, his first damn game he lost, he was like 
mention the thing about the fans being spoiled or something. So he really did not do himself any favors there. I don't think we'll see anything like that from Pineda, and that's going to to help him in terms of how the fans think of him. Uh, this question from Sanford is interesting. It says, I hate to be so darn pessimistic, but do we think that we are playing better or have things just gone our way over the last few games? I, I can address that immediately and say that expected goals and expected goals allowed have both trended in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Rob Val- or under Rob Valentino, they've both gotten better. So I think we can say they're definitely playing better. Um, Sanford then says, I think we have been playing better, but I'm still not sure we are hands down a better team than some of the other teams were around in the table. And kind of looking at it, I think you can kind of, I mean, we're eighth, uh, two teams in front, DC United, Montreal, two teams behind Columbus and Red Bulls. I think that's about right. Like that's kind of right where Atlanta needs to be. And, you know, a point behind Montreal. Uh, I think Atlanta's a better team than Montreal. I think at least at the top end, right? Like I worry yeah. about the depth. I worry about all those kind of things. But right now it, it's very clear that they're a better team than DC. You know, they just beat DC. Mm-hmm. We saw that. Right. We were there. They beat, they just beat the teams above and below them directly. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Columbus is a tire fire right now. Uh, everyone hates Gerhard Struber apparently in New York. So that's <laughs> nothing to worry about. Enter Miami is probably the team I'm worried about most below us. To be totally honest, they've been playing really well yeah. the last couple games and have two games in hand. Uh, but Montreal has been trending down. DC is very hurt. Um, you know, I think DC is probably the best team out of that group, but top end talent wise, Atlanta, this is a good, this is not a great team. This is a totally acceptable team right now. Oh, and yeah. they should make the playoffs. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you look at the way this team is coming together. You know, the back three is now performing really well. Large part of that is due to Alan Franco's form, which has really improved since he's been able to settle in. Um, I mean, you have as a, where we've been saying earlier this season at other times, the talent level of the roster wasn't there. Um, the talent, ro- the talent level is much better right now because you have brought in guys like Luis Ara- Araujo. You've gotten you know players in better form. So, yeah, I mean, I do think the team is playing much better. And to your point, I think that last time I checked, I, this was a couple games ago before the definitely before the Toronto game. But uh, I know the, the expected goals had gone up by about half a goal a game better for. And I think we've been giving up like one tenth of a, of a goal per game more mm-hmm. as well. So a little bit more open, but not really a, a discernible change there and definitely creating a lot more opportunities. So I think yeah. the team is playing better. I think they, I think to Sanford's point, they are getting some things going in their way where that maybe they didn't earlier in the season. So that happens as well. But sometimes you make your own luck, you know, and yeah. you just get the good vibes going and things suddenly start happening for you. So, but again, we've been pointing to the schedule coming up. I think that, you know, games against Nashville and Orlando is going to be another great litmus test for where this team is. And because, you know, those two teams kind of occupy the space where Atlanta United wants to be at the end of the year is in the, one of those top two or three seeds. Soccer itself is, is a chaotic sport. It's about controlling the chaos and MLS is kind of the, the singularity of that. And so when you're winning the chaos like Atlanta United is, you know, it's it's maybe not super encouraging on paper, but, you know, it is encouraging to see them pull out results like this. I, I think this is a good team, you know, and we talk about the talent level. I think that's something we said a lot at the beginning of the year was goes back to our thing about where are the dudes the dudes are maybe there, right? When you put them in the right positions <laughs> yeah, and yeah. let them try to score. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's a little bit improved. This team could obviously be better. I'm not going to act like, you know, this team has suddenly figured out it, it, what, what exactly what they do and has a ton of superstars everywhere, but it, it's so much more improved. It it's really, a, it's this, a gr- is, this is a good team. That's a great point. Uh, it can, isn't it noticeable how much better this team is now in like the final 15, 10 minutes of games than they were earlier this season? Oh, absolutely. Now, yeah. now, like against DC, you're getting the goal as opposed to earlier this season. You were just like looking dog tired in those points of the game. Exactly. Exactly. Every indication is that this is actually getting better. Sanford, don't worry. Don't worry. Christian says, what does it say about FDB, Glass, and Einze that they could not consistently get solid production from Barco? And the Mando, I think that's Marcy now. Marcy's the Mando after he said this is the way at a press conference. Um, certainly it speaks volumes for Coach Rob. And I totally agree. I think it's way more an indictment of that previous group than maybe it is a celebration of Rob. But it is an indictment, nonetheless, uh, of how well Barco and, and Marcy are playing. 
when they're put in positions and allowed to succeed. Yeah, the Mandalorian thing, I, I got to touch on this. Spanish soccer players have been saying this is the way for a long time. Yeah, uh, that's like a, that's like a common phrase that in like, yeah. So anyway, I didn't I did not realize this was like a Mandalorian thing until after Marcelino Moreno had said it uh, and people started saying that because I haven't watched that show. Um, it's fine. I would probably not say so much. It's like as big of an indictment. Maybe, maybe, maybe looking at Marcelino Moreno, it is. But I, we talked about Barco earlier in the show. I just think that he's turned himself around. Um, okay. And you know that, that's what Rob. Again, I disagree to some extent. I know. I know. That's fine. It's fine. Uh, you know, I think that Rob's been saying it's down to the players. I mean, I think certainly some of it is down to to Rob himself, but. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we can. You can never scientifically diagnose this kind of thing. It's kind of up to yeah. the eye of the beholder. It's a, it's a little bit of both. Like obviously Zeke has done a lot to, to get himself in shape and to continue to do good things. Uh, but having the restrictor plates taken off the race car is, is certainly helpful for sure. With Mar- for sure. I think Moreno is the much better player to kind of assess. Be like, yeah, Rob Valentino is using him in a, in a much, much better way than especially Gabriel Heinze was using him. Sure. OK, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Anhap asks, uh, Eruju, is he gonna be here for a long time? Or are we going to keep him long enough to sell him off at 25? It seems unlikely we would get any significant money after being with us for a few years. Right. I think that's probably right. Like it, it kind of feels like he's in it for the long term. And we maybe should have hit on this more when the signing was announced, but he's 25 and he's making what I would call <laughs> generously a lateral move. As far as the <laughs> leagues go, I know that French soccer is imploding. I know that league legal has, has never been spectacular except for a couple teams. Uh, but even still, this is this is technically a step back. Don't tell my bosses I said that. <laughs> um, and, and when you make that kind of move for some money, for some time in the U.S. and for some relaxation, I think not not relaxation necessarily, but for an easier e- way uh, of life. Uh, yeah, standard of living. Yeah, right. Exactly. You are you are in it. Right. And and so I think for a while anyway, Louise is Louise is here. I think that, you know, anytime you sign a player, you have to anticipate that they could be there for a long time. And I think that when it comes to a transfer, it's maybe with Miguel Almiron, it was a little easier to say, like, this guy is going to be freaking amazing. And he showed it right off the bat. And you knew in the very first few games that you saw him play that he was going to be destined for something bigger and better, uh, a more competitive league in the near future. But I think that, you know, it's always up to the player. Like the player has to perform if they want to get a move. You can't like sign a player with like a plan, like we're going to buy him and, and flip them in two years or three years or like however long it is. I think that if Araujo played out of his mind and somebody came in and bid, you know, $30 million for him next year, then he would be gone. The the club can't turn that down. If nobody, if nobody comes in for the bids and the club will obviously hold on to them like Barco, like the the club, like Barco is a perfect example of a player who maybe the club did have that kind of plan for like, we'll keep him for two or three years and flip them. But those bids haven't come in. So you always have to just kind of plan for the player to be around long-term, I think. Yeah, no, but that's going to break the model a little bit. Like, obviously, like there's no there's not as much intent behind signing him and then selling him on, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Not, but anyway, no. Is, um, is, do you feel differently about Arau who uh, versus Pitti? Because they were I mean, they were kind of similar. They're a similar position. They were both, I think, 25 when they're purchased. Um, I don't know. Do you yes. see much differences in them? Because PT came from a league that would. He came from River Plate. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and was very clear about his intentions, you know, yeah. and was understandably, you know, looking to, to make those moves and everything like that. I think when you you can move north and south, but you can't move east to west, you know, yeah, yep. and have, you know, the same intentions to go back east. It doesn't quite work <laughs> like that. I don't think in, in soccer in the Western Hemisphere. Um, so that's my thought. That makes sense. That makes sense. John Leach 16 says, does Atlanta have the best center back depth in MLS? George Campbell was great in his sub appearance on Saturday. Um, to answer that kind of first one, I think it's close. Uh, keep in mind, Seattle with um, O'Neal, Ariaga, and Yamar, along with Nuhu. That's a really, really solid one through four. But when we're sitting here comparing whether or not Atlanta or Seattle has the better thing, that's really good news for us. Right. Uh, because George Campbell was very good. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody uh, after the game against D.C. that 
you know, what a, what a, how crazy is it that Atlanta United is really in a situation where they can totally afford to sell Miles Robinson yeah. to Europe for a big fee? Because they have the depth there. Um, and I think that what you see in George Campbell is a guy who maybe doesn't have quite the natural defensive ability that Miles Robinson has. Like he's obviously both of them are very athletic guys, but Miles Robinson is just different next level. Um, yeah. His his combination of speed and strength and balance is unbelievable. But George Campbell, I think, is even better than Miles Robinson is on the ball. Maybe not currently, but just like from where they were both at the, at the same time point in time in their careers Campbell way better than Miles Robinson was with the ball and so I think that yeah there's a very good player there in Campbell um, that we should all be very excited about going into next year I think he's the perfect kind of player to have going into next year that can be either the third center back if you want to play back three or the kind of the center back that gets rotated in um, and can come off the bench if you need in a if you're playing a back two yeah that's super encouraging really really is uh, I, I really really enjoyed what he did Friend of the show, George Campbell. Friend of the show, that's right. That's right. Go back and listen to that on patreon.com slash five stripe final. Tony says, I understand our model is to buy players low and sell them high, but if Barco isn't getting what Darren Yells wants, why wouldn't we try to negotiate a long-term contract? He is starting to become the player we've always wanted. Why not slap on a few more years? And I'll tell you why. And it's because there's zero guarantee that Ezekiel Barco stays healthy. That's it. Mm. That's like the whole thing for me. He's yeah. playing better, obviously, right? But to to extend him on DP money, there's zero guarantee, and it's a really feels like it could come at any second where Zeke picks up another knock and and isn't around. He, he still missed, you know, more than fifty percent of his games while here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Players in soccer also have a lot more control. I think like there's a there's a wider free agent market for them that is global, you know, and um. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what the terms of uh, the the contract length was for Ezekiel Barco, but let's just say, for example, like let's just assume that he next year would be his last year. So if he's going into this off season, if he wants to go to Europe, if that's his, if that's where he wants to be, um, then he doesn't ha- like he doesn't have to resign with Atlanta United. He can just yeah. wait six months, sign a pre contract with a team in Europe for free for no transfers. So that's that is essentially why you see. Lots of these transfer deals happen. And honestly, in MLS, I am kind of curious about this. I do not know the rules as to like when when you when you spend 15 million for Barco and then you sign him to a contract, he becomes a designated player and you take the salary plus the transfer fee. I don't know what happens with it, with his salary budget charge. If you were to just re-sign him to like an extended contract, we're going to have to get but, stage call back on, aren't we? <laughs> no, no, we won't. We won't. We won't do that. <laughs> We'll just we'll just sell Barco. That would be too much work to get uh, to get Stakeholder back on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I don't. I do not anticipate that happening. Him signing just an clarify. extension. Okay. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Uh, Grisessa asks if we put out our best eleven players, it probably means Sosa's on the island and the midfield. Do we need a more balanced eleven in the middle? And how do we get there? Or is our midfield just going to be Yolo the entire time? It's a really good question because I don't I don't quite know the answer right now. Um. Do you do do you do Marcy and Sosa in the middle with like a, a three four three thing kind of going on? I I don't quite know. I think you do. Yeah, I think if you're playing with three center backs, three really good center backs, you have to trust that they are going to be able to, you know, smother other teams' uh, counterattacks and just offensive attacks. And um, you got to get your best players on the roster. That's why I was so excited to see the the team that they deployed against Toronto. I didn't think mm-hmm. that it ended up playing well, but I thought that again when you then go into the DC game and you get a little bit of um, you, you refine Marcelino's position a little bit in a, in a deeper role that does solidify the team. I thought the team looked more solid against DC, especially centrally. Um, I think you start to fix some of those gaps and you still have all of your creative attacking players. So I think that it, that is what it's weird. I'll give you that. Like, I don't yeah. know if I've ever seen something like this happen. Um, <laughs> just with the, the makeup, the composition of the skill, uh, the skills of the players in combination with the formation. But I think that's what we're going to see. And I think it, well, I don't know if it'll work or not, but good sign so but, far. I mean, I'm looking at like Seattle, right? And they did some kind of 3-4-3, 3-4-2-1 over the weekend against Columbus in a 2-1 win. But the difference kind of is, is that instead of Marcelino Marino, who is more attack-minded, right? And instead of Santiago Sosa, who isn't quite these next games I'm about to mention, they have Ja Paolo and Christian Roldan in the middle. Right. Like those are two guys mm-hmm. who can who can hold that down. And then Nico Ladera, of course, dropping back as well. You can 
you can control a game in the midfield doing a 3-4-3 with those guys, right? Mm -hmm. And I worry that it's not going to be quite the same uh, with this personnel. Of course, like you can tweak it and make it different, but I don't don't quite know how effective that's going to be. But if we're getting the best guys out there, that's that's the move. I mean, you think about the talent on the field at that point with the back three of Walks and Franco and, and Miles and then fullbacks with Lennon and George and then, you know, everyone else who's kind of included in that. That's that's a really solid MLS team at that point. I just don't know if it all clicks together. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely going to be the challenge of the head coach. I can't I wonder what it would be like if Emerson Heinemann was healthy um, because he's kind of the natural fit, you know, the person that you would slot into that other central midfield role. But I think Marcelino point, right? Moreno is a box box midfielder. I think he can be really, really yeah. good in that role. I think if think if Emerson was around, you could do a four through three pretty easily, right? You play back four, be, yeah, yeah. Balance would be really solid. You'd just have to cut one of Walks or Franco out, but right, uh, a, a midfield of of Heinemann, Moreno, Sosa. Sounds pretty nice. I think that uh, that sounds pretty doable, right? I, yeah, I think what you just said actually is the key. Where where if you wanted to add another kind of midfielder to balance everything out, and give you a little bit more equilibrium in the middle of the field. It comes down to either cutting an attacker or cutting one of the center backs out of the 11. So that's just kind of the decision that has to be made. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how Gonzalo handles that. We'll see how Joe handles rapid fire right now. C-Black asks, why are the short corners back? Oh, God, are they? <laughs> I don't know. I think that uh, the the and the analysis, the, the sabermetric folks might like them. I'm not sure, though. Mm, okay. I could Kill be wrong B on that. Says, with that Uju being good looking and Audrey hiking his shorts up, have we finally found our Tito replacement? I think we have. I think that's kind of the mold, right? I mean, he definitely brings up the handsome quotient for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Eberhardt Creative asks, is Marcy cooking? Because I feel like Marcy is cooking. I I think he's cooking for sure. I'm just glad that everyone has caught on to, to Marcy. I'm glad that's a thing now. Yes. I think I did that. Did you do that? You, you, you went to that? that? Nice. Like, I like that. that. Yeah. He's cooking, um, cooking with gas. Marcy's cooking, baby. Uh, Christian says, do you think that Boca will keep his job if the team gets into the playoffs and pass the first round? If so, why do we continue to give the arsonist matches? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> Damn, Christian Gold. Uh, it's a really good question. Maybe People I should put torn this on, on rapid this. fire. <laughs> yeah, this was right after the win against DC. People were like, uh, do we? are we still Boca out? <laughs> I think he'll be staying regardless. That's my I personal think, feeling. I think he stays, and I think maybe uh, that they transfer some power to the, the guys coming in. Exactly. Um, I think they may hire another, you know, uh, essentially a McDonough replacement. I know they hired Demetrius already. I could see another one coming in, potentially. Yeah, totally. It, look, Darren trust him. That, that's yeah. good enough for me in yeah. most cases, right? Um, so as long as the results are, are getting better, fine. Fine. Uh, Grisessa says, what's your expectation of George Campbell's playing time the rest of the year? He's looked great, but barring injury, I don't see him playing more of a role than what we've already seen. Uh, good news is, I guess, Miles Robinson is going to be doing a lot of national team stuff. So that's encouraging I mean, for George Campbell's playing time. It, it seems like he'll get in for, for some of those, but hopefully he can come in in a role like he did against DC and help kind of solidify things. I think that's a very good role for him right now. Yeah, exactly what you said. There's these World Cup qualifiers coming up that Miles Robinson will almost surely be a part of. And, you know, while the, those games don't necessarily overlap with the MLS schedule, they come up right against it. And he will I, I think you will need uh, Campbell to probably step in if you want to play back three. Logan the Shogun asks, better thighs, Eruju or Soteldo? I have an opinion here. I, I think it is Eruju because Soteldo is only like five. He's literally like five mm -hmm. one, five two. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's easier to make those thighs look bigger in comparison, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But, but Eruju a, a little taller, a little bigger. You know, it's tougher to make that look lean, but still kind of meaty on a soccer player like that. I'm gonna give better thighs to Eruju. That's my homer pick of the week, I guess. Joe, thoughts? <laughs> uh, I can't make a determination on this until I see it in person. You did. Well, I Aren't mean, I mean, like, I mean, it in like a scrum situation. I mean, like, oh, I mean, okay. like, yeah, real, real close. <laughs> real, real close. Okay, I gotta, I gotta gotcha. say, I, I, I like assume <laughs> that. Hey, man, that, can I that, see your thighs? <laughs> I assume that Arayuho was uh, like a tall player. I think I, I referred to him as tall, uh, uh -huh. like when they were signing him. He's five nine. <laughs> I mean, soccer players are Soteldo. all soccer players are all tiny, so he looks tall in, in comparison. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Sam asked Joe, describe your perfect Sunday. Um, Rapid fire. Watching Tottenham beat Man City. 
You've never had a perfect Sunday, have you? Sam asked, Joe, have you ever been to jail? Me, no. Never. Sam asked, Joe, how many of your friends do you think have gone to jail? I definitely know that, like, three off the top of my head have. Yeah, I think I'm like, like three or four. People tell us our, your, your friends who have gone to jail numbers and then ask your friends and find out that it's like way more because it's always <laughs> way more than you expect. Uh, Sam asked, Joe, describe your perfect Sunday with all your friends in jail. Oh, with all my friends. Wow. We could like sh- all share our uh, cigarettes and um, yeah, uh-huh. and gruel together. Oh, Jesus Christ. Isn't that what they feed you in jail? Are you gruel? going to jail at like Shawshank? <laughs> like what is happening? <laughs> that sounds nice, though. Pleasant. That was rapid fire. All right. Joe, any thoughts before we get out of here? I know you got a Braves game. <laughs> Um, never accept anything from anybody in jail. I, I read that in the worst case or not sur- the survival handbook, worst case scenario, survival uh-huh. handbook, never accept anything because they will say that you owe them later on. Yo, th- this is the jail economy. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yes. 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 You, you can't be a debtor in jail. Don't let yourself do it. And don't eat the apples. That's what I've heard. Oh, that's true. That's yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Let's go here. Bye all. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece.